All right, let's get going. Today's daf is daf yud, and we will pick up the Ezra Hashem with Hashem's help from the words uparsoi menolon dimiyefes kaosu. So we're up to the second line on daf yud amud aleph. Jonathan. Okay, here we go. So quick introduction to today's daf. Fascinating daf. We ended off yesterday, and this is going to be Rabbi uh, explain explain uh, your question earlier. We ended off yesterday that Rabbi Yechanan explained to his brother-in-law, Reish Lakish, the reason why the second base HaMikdash did not have the level of Shechina that the first base HaMikdash had is because the second base HaMikdash was built with the help of the Persians. And as we know from Nayach, Yaft Eleikim Liyefes, that beauty goes to Yefes, However, Hashem only dwells in the tents of shame. What we ended off yesterday with was explaining that since it was the Persian Empire that took part in allowing and also in the building of the second base of Mikdash, even if all of Klaishah would have gone up with Ezra, the Shekhinah still would not have rested because Yefes, Persia, is, was included in the building. Okay? So that's how we ended off Yesterday. Today, we're going to pick up from Uparsoy. I'm just give a quick overview. We're going to start out proving that the Persians actually are, come from Yefes. So when it says, Yaftali Kim Li Yefes, hey, no, Yefes is Persia. Where do you get that from? Okay? So we're first, the first thing we're going to do, and that's the picture that Rabiel mentioned earlier, of, of uh, the movement of how nations moved around and where they come from. The, that whole purpose is going to be to show that the Persians come from Yefes. Okay? Um, as we move along in the Gemara, we're going to have a very strong focus on both the involvement of Rome and the Persians in the Chorban Habayis. Then as we continue on on the Daf, and this, the Daf's going to end by leading us to tomorrow's daf as well, we're going to start getting into the laws of mezuzah. Okay? And the shaykhis, the connection is, is there's going to be a discussion that's, how did we get onto all this? Because of the word parhedron. Right? We got onto this from the word parhedron. There's going to be a discussion about whether the Kayin Gadol needed a mezuzah in his room that he was set aside in for seven days. And that's going to lead us into some various hokas mezuzah towards the end of today's daf. And that's going to be a big focus of tomorrow's daf as well. Okay? So here we go. We're up to the second line on daf. Yodom Aleph. Says the Gemara, Parsoi Menolon, Demi Yefes Gosu. How do you know the Persians come from Yefes? The Chsev, it says, Bnei Yefes, the sons of Yefes were, Gaimer, Magog, Modai, Yavon, Tuvon, Meshech, Vesiris. Gaimer, who is Gaimer? This first son of Yefes. Who was that? You know who Gaimer was? Garmanyo. That was Germany. Magog. What is Magog? Zu Kanadia. Okay? This is Kanadia. Now, it doesn't seem this is Canada. Modern day Canada, this seems to be someplace um, near the Middle East. Madai, what is Madai? So we know Madai. Those are the Medes. Kimashmoi. Yavan. Uh, Yavan is Macedonia, that we're familiar with. Okay? That's Macedonia. Tuval, and the son Tuval, the son of Yefes by the name of Tuval, Zebes Unaiki. 
This is base u Nike. Okay, that's another nation. Meshech zu Musia. Meshech is the area of Musia. Apparently, there's a place. This is a, a place near Iran, I believe, and there's a there's a, a place with a similar name in Iran. Tiras, uh, what is Tiras? Pligi ba Reb Simai Rabban. There's one who was near Reb Simai and the Rabban, Rabbi Lord Reb Simai Rabban, and some say it wasn't Reb Simai and the Rabban, and it was Reb Simon and the Rabban. So what was the machlekes? Chan Amar Zu base Tariaki. That Tiras is base Tariaki, which um, apparently was somewhere um, uh, part of Turkey. Okay, Tariaki, Turkey. The other one says that Tiras is Para, so we know as Persia. Okay? Now, right now is the point of all this, and that is the Persians are from Yefes. These are Yefes' children. Okay? That's what, that's what it's all boiling back down to. Tony Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef taught us Tiras zu Paras, Tiras is Paras. Okay? And that's really, we're going to continue on on this now for a little bit, but that's really why we mentioned all of these nations that came from Yefes. Savta v'rama v'savtava. All right? So v'savticha. So we got savta, rama, v'savticha. Very similar to the first name. Those were, uh, those are three names of children of Cham. Tani Reb Yosef, Reb Yosef taught us, Sakistan Gaviosa. The gaviosa means on the inside. It means the inside sakiston, the sakiston beryosa, and there's an outside sakiston. There's two parts. There's an area called sakiston, and there's an outer part to its country and an inner part of its country. Meaning, it's like you know, it's like North America, South America. It's got a similar name, but there's two sides to it. Bein chada lechada parsi, and between each one of them is 100 parsa, so let's call this about uh, 300 miles. The Hekefa Alpha Parsi, and the circumference is 1,000 parsa. Okay, it's a nice chunk of land. Doesn't seem to be incredibly large. Doesn't seem to be, you know, humongous. We're dealing with, uh, you know, it's uh, about 300 miles uh, from one end to the other. The circumference is about 3,000. Okay. What else did we say in the Pesukim? Vatihi Reishis Mamlachtoi Bovel Ve'erech Ve'achad Ve'chalmei. And when Nimrod, we're going through these psukim now of that, of, okay, of these uh, parshas. So uh, when Nimrod was king, so he was the king of Bavel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalmei. Bavel, Kimashma. Bavel is what we know. That we went into Golis Bavel, right? That was Babylon. Erech, maybe modern day Iraq, something of that sort. Be, um, uh, I lost the place, I'm sorry. Erech, Zu Arichus. Erech is a place called Arichus. That was south of Bavel. The Achad ze Baskar. And Akkad is a place called Baksar. Says the Gemara, Kalnei ze Neifer Ninfi. And Kalnei is Neifer Ninfi, which is, seems to be uh, much further south of what, where Bavel was. So it's uh, much further south of modern day Iraq. That was the land that Ashur went forth from. So we discussed Yefes, Cham, and now we're getting involved in Ashur. Ashur is now getting into our family. This is the family of shame. All right. So Tani Reb Yosef, 
Rabbi Yosef taught us, Ashur is a silak. Ashur is silak. Silak is Assyria, which is near modern-day Syria. Parts of it may be modern-day Syria. Vayiven as Ninveh, and he built Ninveh, and Kolach, Ninveh, we're familiar with Ninveh, okay? Uh, we're, how do we know from Ninveh? That's the famous city that we read about on Yom Kippur, right? Uh, on, with Yaina, on, on Minchan Yom Kippur, Mapter Yaina, the city that did Shuva. The, the streets, I'm sorry, that's the name. This is referring to Paras of Meshon. Somewhere else, the, the Mepharsha brings here, somewhere else along the Euphrates River, maybe a little bit further south. Kalach Zupras de Borsif. Kalach is Paras of Borsif, um, which is a, an additional city slash uh, governance that lies on the banks of the Euphrates. Thus, Resen be Ninveh be Kalach here, Eragadayla. And Resen was between Ninveh and Kalach. This is the Eragadayla. We're going to find out what this. Which one of these is called Ira Gedeil? He resens as Aktesfan. Rekens is called Aktesfan. Okay? Um, which apparently there's a modern day city nowadays with a similar name called Ketesfan. When we say it's a big city, are we referring to Ninveh being the big city or Imresen Ira Gedeil? Is Resen considered the Eragadayla of the Pesach. When we say Ninveh was a big city um, and, uh, and it was uh, three days of traveling, so it must be here as well. When referring to Eragadayla, it seems that was like, you know, people say Yerushalayim Erakadish, right? It's kind of like the, name, the words that follow the name of the city. Ninveh was called the Eragadayla. Okay, fine. Let's keep moving along with these cities, and we're going to actually going to, going to move a little bit and start talking about uh, giants that lived in these places. Visham, Achiman, Sheishai, Vitalma, Yelide, Ha'anok. All right? There, there were giants. Achiman, Sheishai, and Talmai, says the Gemara. Tana, we learned in the Bible, Achiman, Miyuman, Shabach. Achiman was Miyuman. Miyuman means he was the right one. What, what is the, the, the right side represents power. Okay? So the most powerful giant was Achiman. Sheishai? Why was he called Sheishai? Shemesim esa'aretz kish chisais. You hear this? When he walked, he left craters in the ground. Doesn't mean craters, but he left deep furrows. It was like every time he took a step, it was like you're plowing another wheat field. That's, uh, you know, that's what his shoes did. Talmai. Shemesh mezarz tlamim klamim. I'm sorry. Sheishai is shemesh mezarz kechishis. Yeah, that he made like craters. He ruined the earth underneath him. And Talmai is shemesh mezarz tlamim klamim. That he made farros. Dabar acher. Achiman bona anos. Achiman built a place called anos. Sheishai bona olush. Sheishai built olush. Talmai bona talbush. Talmai built... The place called Talbush. Apparently, these were all very strong cities. Yalidei Ha'anak. They were the children of giants. Shemanikim Achanabim Kaimosam. That when they walked, it looked like the sun was dangling like a necklace around their neck. Okay, that's how that's how uh, uh, tall they were. It looked like their heads were going above the sun. 
says the name of Rabbi. This is now a fascinating Gemara. Listen to this. It's unbelievable. Rome in the future, okay, what's going to happen is, says the Gemara, Rome is going to be captured by the Persians. Shenemar, as it says, Lachain, therefore, Shimu Atas Hashem, listen to the advice of Hashem. Asher Yoatz El Eldon. He gave advice to Eden, descendants of Esau. In the thoughts, that they thought to do against those who lived in Taman. If they're not uh, dragged away by the, uh, the young sheep, then he will, their Nevehem, their beautiful homes, will be destroyed. Okay, so uh, what the whole purpose of mentioning this pasuk is that Persia were from the younger children, and you see from this pasuk that the that the, the Persians are going to be the ones who drag away the Romans. So Rome, which came from the older children, is ultimately going to be dragged away by the younger sheep, which is referring to Paras, referring to the younger Persians. Now, Maskavla Rabbi Barabula. Rabbi has a challenging question. My mashma, the high tier saying for us, how do you know the young sheep are referring to Paras? The Chseva Ayel Asher Isa, Bala Karnayim, Umalchi Modayu Paras, that the ram that you saw that owned horns was the king of Madai and Paras. Okay, so what does this mean? This means that the, the rams kind of uh, represents. Madai and Paras. Maybe the younger child doesn't refer to the Persians, maybe it refers to the Greeks, maybe it refers to Yavon. And the goat, the young uh, the, the goat, Hasair Melech Yavon, is referring to the king of Yavon. So you see, Tsain doesn't necessarily refer to Persians, Tsain can also refer to the Greeks. Okay, so that is Rabbi Babar Ula's. Challenging question that we're assuming the young that again we we said a statement the Romans are going to fall into the hands of the Persians. What was our proof? Because you see that the pasuk says if, that you should the descendants of Esau should be listening to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and then they thought about doing things wicked against the people who live in Taman, and the younger flock are going to drag them off. And the younger flock is the Persians. Asked Rabbi Barbar Ula, how do you know the younger flock is Persians? Maybe it's the Greeks. Okay? Now, we're not going to give an answer right now to that question. But let's, let's keep reading the Gemara, though. Rav Chaviva Bar Sormaki came up to Eretz Yisrael. So he asked this kasha of Rabbi Bar Ula to the Rabbana. What was the kasha again? How do you know it's the Persians that are going to control the Romans? Maybe it'll be the Greeks that control the Romans. Omar lay. And they said to him, You think somebody who doesn't know how to translate a pasuk can ask questions on Rebbe? Meaning, Rabbi Barula's question holds no weight. Why not? When the pasuk says the younger flock are going to drag, drag them away. Zutra de'achai, it means the youngest of all the brothers. Not the younger brother, the youngest. 
of all the brothers. The Tani Rabbi Yosef, and Rabbi Yosef taught us, Tira ze Paras. Okay? Tira is referring to Paras, and therefore we cannot be referring to the Greeks. We are dealing, we are referring to the Persians. Hence, go back to our original Pasuk. In the future, the Romans will fall into the hands of the Persians. Okay? Now, let's keep reading. Here we go. Amar Rabbi Barbachana, Amar Rabbi Yechana Mishum Rabbi Rabbi Eloi. I see the Rabbi Shtipa Biad Paras. Again, same statement. The Romans are going to fall under the control of the Persians. Kal Listen to this logic. Umaha Mikdash Rishon. Just like by the Mikdash Rishon, Shebina Uhu B'nei Shem was built by children of shame. Who built the first base of Mikdash? Shlomo HaMalach. V'acharivu Kasdiyim. And the Kasdiyim ended up destroying it. Okay? People of Kasdim. Naflu Kasdim. And then the Kasdim were conquered and they fell. Biyad Persium. Into the hands of the Persians. So the Persians conquered the Kasdim. The Kasdim destroyed the Beis HaMikdash. So Mikdash Sheni. The second Beis HaMikdash. Shevanu Parsim. That the Persians were involved in building. It wasn't built by Bnei Shem. It was built by Bnei Yafis. The Kharivu Raimiyim, and the Romans destroyed it. Ain how much more so that the Romans should fall into the hands of the Persians. Azoi, like this. Shlomo HaMalach built the first base of Mikdash. It was destroyed by the Kasdim, who were controlled by the Parsim. By the second base of Mikdash, which was only built by the Persians, right? The Persians were the one that conquered the ones that conquered us. And then they built the second base of Mikdash. It was destroyed by the Romans. How much more so should we say that the Romans should, uh, should, fall, into the, uh, should fall into the hands of the Persians? Meaning, if the Persians took care of the Kasdim when we built the Beis HaMikdash, certainly they should take care of the Romans for destroying the Beis HaMikdash that they themselves built. That's the, that's the svari here. That's the logic here. You're getting the logic. If they're willing to stand up for us by destroying those that destroyed us, they'll stand up for themselves and take care of the Romans that destroyed the Beis HaMikdash that they took part in building. The Persians took part in building. Rav, Rav says, no, you're wrong. I see the Parash people be at Raimi. It's not the Romans are going to fall to the Persians. The Persians are going to fall to the Romans. Says the Gemara. The wolves who built the Beis Hamikdash are going to fall into the hands of those who destroyed the Beis Hamikdash. The Romans, Rav Kahana and Rav Asi, are asking. They're now. They're not getting it. Before. Until now, we've been talking about how powerful each army was. Now they're asking about how Hashem's running the world. How can you say the Persians will fall to the Romans, they say to Rav, if the Persians built the base of Mikdash and the Romans destroyed the base of Mikdash, how in the world will HaKadosh Baruch Hu stand up for the Romans over the Persians? I get the kasha. Yeah, it's a good kasha. Answers the Gemara, Omar Rav, Rav says, in. It makes a lot of sense. You've got to listen to this answer. You know what makes a lot of sense? Gezerah Melechi. Because Hashem did that. Because Hashem's going to do that. That's why it makes sense. 
This whole world doesn't make sense. Again, we had a lot of questions. How can Hashem allow the, the Romans who destroyed the base of Mikdash to conquer the Persians who built the base of Mikdash? Where's the justice? Rob says there is justice. You know how? Because that's what Hashem wanted. <laughs> it is. So to us, it seems Meshuggah. It's crazy. Ah, you, you build a world like that. You run a world Meshuggah? Teretz is. It's not Meshuggah. That's the Ratzon Hashem. There's a Medrash. When Maish Rabbeinu says Takadosh Baruch Hu, he asks, Maish Rabbeinu asks Takadosh Baruch Hu, he says, show me your ways. Right? Takadosh Baruch Hu, please show me your ways. Takadosh Baruch Hu says, you're not going to understand. Maish Rabbeinu says, try me. Takadosh Baruch Hu says the magic. Takadosh Baruch Hu tells Maish Rabbeinu, go up on a mountain. Maish Rabbeinu goes to the top of a mountain. And he looks down into the valley. And he sees somebody leaning by a well, leaning over with some uh, water. We've said this, we've quoted this passage before. Leaning over and drinking water. And he drinks his delicious water. As leaning over, his wallet falls out onto the floor, and he walks away. Leaves his wallet. Comes along. Uh, he leaves. Two minutes later, another yid comes over to the well, finds the wallet, puts it in his pocket, takes a drink, and walks away. Two minutes later, a third person comes. Bends over to drink water from the well. And the first guy comes back looking for his wallet. He was just there five minutes ago. He knows he dropped his wallet. She says the guy number three was my wallet. Third guy says, what are you talking about? I don't have your wallet. He says, don't play games with me. I was just here. I dropped my wallet. Give me my wallet back. The third guy says, I don't know what you're talking about. Guy number one takes out a knife and stabs him to death. And Akadosh Baruch Hu looks at Maisha and he says, now you understand. <laughs> now you understand. You're more confused than ever, right? Vajbina says, oh, I don't understand. Because Broker says, listen, I'll fill you in on part of the picture. The first guy who came and his wallet dropped from his wallet dropped from him while he was drinking water a number of years ago had stolen money from the second guy. So now the second guy got his money back. The third guy, seemingly innocent, comes along, gets a drink of water. The first guy comes back. Now, the first guy was also a Ghanav, right? So the first guy comes back looking for his wallet, and he stabs number three to death, seemingly innocent. The third guy uh, really was a Reitzeach of one of the first guy's relatives. And the first guy was the Gael Adam. He was the redeemer of blood, and therefore he was meant to be killing the first guy. Maishavina says, all right, I, I get it. <laughs> In other words, I get it. No, finished. All right. In other words, this is Rob's answer. We asked Akasha, if the Persians built the base of Mikdash and the Romans destroyed it, why in the world is Hashem allowing the Romans to conquer the Persians? Says Rob, it makes a lot of sense, because that's what Hashem's going to do. That's it. We don't need to know anything further. Okay. Ikadamri, another possible answer. Omar Lahu, inunami Rob said that uh, another possible answer why the Persians could be conquered by the Romans is because even though the Persians helped build the second base of Mikdash, they also did Gantz find the Tsaris for Klai Yisrael. They destroyed many shuls, many yeshivas. They did terrible things to Klai Yisrael and Gullahs. They're not the biggest tzaddikim. Tan Namiyaku Nantan Brisa, similarly, I see the Pars people be me in the future. The Persians is going to be conquered by the Romans. Chod the Sosibei First of all, because they destroyed the Batei Knesias of Klai Yisrael, the shuls. Right, and furthermore, Gzeras Melechi Shiplu Bainim Biat That's the Gzeras of the king. So we see both of them are sourced in a bryson. The Yom Ravid Amar Abidu says, Name of Rab, Eim Bein David Ba, Mashiach is not going to come. 
until Rome conquers and rules over the world for nine months. Shemar, as it says, therefore, Yitnaim, I will give them until the time that those who give birth give birth. The Yeser Echav Yeshuvan Albane Yisrael. And the rest of the brothers will return with the Bnei Yisrael. Okay, this is referring to Rome being somehow being descendants of of Esav and uh, Esav and Yaakov made a deal. Esav's going to get Elam Hazeh. Yaakov's going to get Elam Haba. So whole, you could say a tremendous amount on this topic. Bottom line is, Esav, with everything that he was after, never even appreciated Elam Hazeh. He didn't even get Elam Hazeh. A Russia doesn't enjoy this world. A person who doesn't have a Kaddish Baruch who doesn't enjoy the world. But because of the nine months agreement that he was with Yaakov inside his mother's womb, so his descendants are going to be zeichet to have nine months of bliss in Eilam Haza in this world. Okay, before, so, you know, if that time happened already, I don't know whether it's going to happen, I don't know. Um, uh, you know I don't, we know that it's, it, it either happened or it's going to happen. We don't know if it happened yet, but that's, that's what we're referring to over here. Turn around, one of the rabbis learned, so should we. Here we go. Back into our Gemara discussing the Parhedron. Every room in the Beisam Mikdash did not have a mezuzah on it except for this room that the Kohen Gadol stayed in for a week. Because this was considered a dwelling place for the Kohen Gadol. So it needed, says the Tanakhama, it needed to have a mezuzah on the Lishkas Parhedron. Amr of Yehuda. Rav Yehuda says, You think this is the only room that people ever stayed in? The only time during the year where somebody ever stayed in one of these chambers, one of these rooms? Come on. Come on. Allah says Rav Yehuda, The reason why, he, he agrees that the Parhedrin had a mezuzah on it. But he said that's not because it's a dwelling place. The reason why the Parhedrin had a mezuzah is, we're going to learn later on today's daf, that uh, we wanted to show that this was a wanted residence of the Kain Gadol. We'll get there. Okay, but Rashi already is letting, uh, already over here, you know, gives us a little bit of a teaser. So we're, we'll uh, mention it here as well. Okay? So everyone agrees there was a mezuzah on this door. The Shaila was, Machlaikas is, whether it has mezuzah because uh, the Kain Gadol lives there, or just because of a separate decree. Okay. My time, Rebbe Yehuda. What's the reason for Rebbe Yehuda who says that without a decree of the rabbis, you would not need a mezuzah on the Lishkas Parhedrin? Amar Rabbi Rabbi says, Kasav Rebbe Yehuda, Any house that's not meant to be year-round, is not called a real dwelling place. It's not called a real dwelling place. It's temporary. Eisve Abaye, Abaye says, but it says, I will hit the winter homes and the summer homes. So you see that even a seasonal house is called a home. Omar Lei, Rabbi says back to Abaye, it's called a summer house and a winter house. It's not called a house. Okay? If you live in a summer bungalow, 
That's called a summer bungalow. Says Rabbi Yehuda, you only put a mezuzah on a building, on a house, that's called a house. If it's called a summer house, if it's called uh, a, a sunroom, whatever. Not a sunroom, doesn't reply, because most sunrooms nowadays are part of larger homes, so, okay, ask, uh, ask a Shiloh on that, on that uh, room. But Lafi Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the reason why the Lishkas Parhedrin doesn't need a mezuzah is because it was only lived in for one week a year. And a seasonal home, you don't need to, uh, you don't need to put up a mezuzah. Now, according to Rabbi Yehuda, listen here. If somebody owns a timeshare, okay, or a condo for a few months a year and you don't have rights there, Lachora, according to Rabbi Yehuda, there's, you don't put up a mezuzah. Let's keep going. Let's see. Esrei Abaye. Abai asked a challenging question from Sukkah. It's going to be Geshmak. Get back into Sukkah. Listen to this. Ah. Sukkah's hachag bechag. When you have a Sukkah on Sukkis, does it need a mezuzah? You're living in there for a week. Does it need a mezuzah? Rabbi Yudah Machayev, Rabbi Yudah says yes. The Chom say no. Tani Allah. And, um, I'm sorry, well, we're not talking about a mezuzah yet. I jumped the gun, I jumped the gun. We're talking about the har- sukkahs is the harvest season. So somebody harvested their grain, and usually you're only chayiv and meiser when you bring it into your home. Over here, they brought the grain into the sukkah. So the sukkah is like a base dira, it's like a home for us on sukkah. The Yudah says if you bring it, the grain into your sukkah, so now you're chayiv and meiser, we learned in the Brayser. Rebuta says that a sukkah makes you obligated to take meiser if you bring grain in there. You also need to put up a mezuzah. It's included in eruv, and uh, it's included in eruv. So you see that Rabbi Yehuda considers. Ready? Here's the question: Isn't sukkah a seasonal home? Avada, and still Rabbi Yehuda is considering it like a house. There's a mezuzah, meiser, erov. So why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda agree with us that the week-long dwelling of the Lishkas Parhedrin should demand the mezuzah as well? The same way a mezuzah demands a mezuzah, the Lishkas Parhedrin should demand the mezuzah. The Chitim and Midrabah are going to say, Rabbi Yehuda only holds that you put up a mezuzah, erov, meiser, that's all only done Midrabah. And Midrabah here off the hook. When it comes to laws of Erev and Mezuzah, okay, you could say, listen, the Rabbana made Exera, fine. When it comes to Meiser, would the Rabbana be Machmir? No, you know why? You know why they wouldn't be Machmir? Now we turn to the top of Omud Beis, because Doma Osi Lafrushe Minachiev Alapatura Minapatura Alachiev. It's going to come out the Chumra Zakula, right? When it comes to Meiser, so like we've, like we've learned previously, if Rabbi Yehuda is going to say that you're obligated, if, if Rabbi is going to say you're obligated to take meiser on this grain, and it's only midrabanan, you're going to run into problems, because if these if this grain is only obligated in meiser midrabanan, and not midoraisa, you might start mixing and matching your grains and taking meiser from one grain onto a, a, a rabbinic obligation, to a biblical obligation, a biblical obligation, a rabbinic obligation, and you're running into a lot of tzaras over here, so. Rabbi Yehuda never would have been machmir when it comes to Meiser because, as we know, very often people who, when we try to be machmir, it comes out we're being makel, we're being lenient in another way. 
So Ella Omar Abaye, rather Abaye explains the Machlaikas as follows. Beautiful. Listen to this. Says Abaye. Bishiva. During the seven days that the Kayan goggles in the Lishkas Parhedron, says like this. Rabbi Huda and the Tanakama agree that the week the Tan- that the go- the week that the Kayan Gadol was in his room, they had a mezuzah up on the door. Kipligi, their machlekas only is b'shari yomayisashana during the rest of the year. Rabbanon sabi, Rabbanon say, guys, read in b'shari yomayisashana otu shiva. Once you have a mezuzah up for those seven days, you got to keep it up the rest of the year. In other words, once we're considering it to be a dwelling place, it's considered to be a dwelling place, and it needs to stay up. And I, the kind of is not there. Okay, so it's like somebody owns a house and goes out of town. You keep a mezuzah up. Rabbi Yehuda says, no. We don't, we don't make that gezera. Okay? Now, why? Why does Yehuda say that we don't make that gezera? So the reason is as follows. Rashi explains that... trying to see whether we should uh, uh, dwell on this over here. Yeah, let's dwell on this over here. Okay. When somebody's forced to live in an edifice, in a place, somebody's put into prison, put into jail, is that considered their dwelling place? Somebody's locked up. They're locked up for a year. Do they need to put up a mezuzah? So, the Allah is no. The Allah is no. Now, there might be Changes to this, okay? Unfortunately, there are from Yidin who do go through this. There are Yidin who go through this and, and need to ask the Shaila and determine whether they need mezuzahs. But if somebody forces you to be in a certain area, then it's not considered your personal dwelling place. This is a fascinating thing. To be in a location, I'm gonna get a little, get a little let, let's think a little bit because we have, we have some time. It's a shorter moment, right? When you're in a location, or you're really in the location, right? All, we're all sitting here learning Dafyami together. Are we here? Or are some of us thinking about the weather outside, what's going to be for dinner, what's, what's going to happen later, what's with business tomorrow? My body might be here, but my mind is elsewhere. If a person's body, a person physically needs to be in a location, but their mind has no interest in being there, says Rabbi Yehuda, it, they're not there. Right? Sometimes yeah, you walk over to somebody during davening, you say, did you say Tzvila Sederach? Yeah? <laughs> right? You went to the moon and back. You know? <laughs> you, you, went, you went across the world over here. Right? Are, are you there? Says Rabbi Yehuda, if you don't keep, if you don't put a, if you don't keep a mezuzah up on the door of the Lishkas Parhedron, it's going to look like the Kohen is spending his time there against his will. And therefore, says Rabbi Yehuda, the reason why um, you have a mezuzah up during those seven days is only so that it doesn't look like he's there against his will. And once he's out, you do not need to keep the mezuzah up for the rest of the year. That's the Machlai Gassim Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, again, Rabbi Yehuda holds, the, uh, let's start with Tanakama. Tanakama holds, it's considered uh, dira for the Kayangodal because he's there temporarily. And once he's there temporarily, you keep it up. Rabbi Yehuda says that, no, he only kept the mezuzah up for those seven days, so it doesn't look like the kind of is being kept there against his will. But once he's out, then we don't need to keep it up for the rest of the year. Amalei, Rabbah. Rabbah says, 
It says it says sukkis on sukkis. Um, there's no chiyuv of mezuzah. So how can you tell me that everybody agrees during the seven days of parhedron? Everybody agrees there's a mezuzah. Why wouldn't they all agree for the se- for seven days that you got to keep a mezuzah on your sukkah? Maybe each of us should start hanging mezuzahs on our sukkahs because we're there at the time that we're there. Just like the Kangal Lishkas Parhechim put up a mezuzah, we should too. Elam Arava. So Rava says like this. Bishari Maisa During the other days of the year, not during the week of the Kangal. Kuli Amalei Pligi de Everybody agrees there was no mezuzah up on the door. Ki Pligi, where's there a machlaikas, Bishiva? About the seven days that the Kain Gadol is in there. The sukkah, time of the chud, the lishka, time of the chud. And both the sukkah has its own set of rules demanding uh, whether or not you put up a, a uh, mezuzah, right? And we know that, uh, we'll, we'll explain in a moment. Sukkah's got its own set of rules. And the parhedrin had its own set of rules. Meaning, sukkah, time of the chud, when it comes to hilcha sukkah, it's got its own reasoning, rebutal tamay. Rebut is consistent, is so gishmak for those of us who are familiar with sukkah. The Yama Rebut says, sukkah diras kvabinon, gishmak. A sukkah needs to be a permanent dwelling place. And therefore, says Reb Yehuda, since a sukkah needs to be established, umachayeves b'mezuzah, the Mela, we're going to obligate the sukkah to have a mezuzah, because during those seven days, there's a mitzvah to be in there, and for me, during this week, it's considered a permanent dwelling. For Rabbanu Tamai and the Rabbanu say, no, you don't need a mezuzah. Why? Dami, sukkah dirasarai binam. A sukkah should specifically not be permanent. A sukkah should be temporary. And therefore, v'loi mechai v'lo mezuzah. And therefore, the Rabbanu say, there's no chiyam mezuzah. So by sukkah, whether or not you have a mezuzah is dependent, nothing to do with parhedron. Nothing to do with all that. It's on its own halachas. It's dependent on whether you hold the sukkah supposed to be made in a temporary way or a permanent way. What about the lishka? What about the parhedrin? The kind of the lishka time of the chud. And the parhedrin also has its own set of circumstances. Meaning, Rabbonon Sabri, the Rabbonon hold, dira bal karchosh madira. The Rabbonon say that when somebody is forced into a dwelling place, chas v'shalom, somebody goes into jail, and they're forced to stay there, that still, even though my mind isn't there, but my body's physically going to be in there, Zakhtar Abanon Shmadira. That is considered a dwelling place. However, Rabbi Yehuda Sabar says, Nishtazai. Absolutely not. Says Rabbi Yehuda, Dira Balkarcha, Laishmadira. When somebody's forced to live somewhere, somebody's locked up, kidnapped, put in jail, whatever. The Kain Gadol's set aside before Yom Kippur, when he has to be in this Lishkas Parhedrin. It's not called a dwelling place. And it is only a din that the Rabbanon say, put a mezuzah for those seven days on the door of the Kain Gadol. Why? Nobody should look at the room of the Kain Gadol and be like, oh, there's no mezuzah. You know why? Because it's like a jail. Get everybody looking like that. And therefore, the Rabbanon made a, made a gzera for those seven days that the Kain Gadol is set aside. We're going to dafka, put a mezuzah up on his door. He, not, nothing to do with Hilchah's mezuzah. This is a din in, in uh, covered to the Avaida of Yom Kippur. That takes us to the bottom line on Yudom Beis, and we will hold it here for this evening. Bez Hashem. We will pick up from here tomorrow night. If we're stuck in St. Louis, it'll be the same time. Otherwise, Bez Hashem, if we're in Yerushalayim, we'll do it uh, Eretz Yisrael time. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.